Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Our nation is facing many challenges and changes. But I believe we don't need to be afraid as we face the future. The enemy will try and bring fear over our lives. There are some great challenges that are happening. But I believe that God needs to re- wants to remind us today that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And the Spirit of God's been burning in my heart all week. You need to encourage and strengthen the people of God that our God is greater. And no weapon formed against us will prosper. There are challenges. There are great needs. Sometimes we pray for God to move in our lives, in our community, our nation, and God answers in all sorts of ways. Sometimes He'll increase the spiritual hunger so people are drawn. He brings a greater unity across Christians and churches. He starts to do supernatural signs and pours out His Spirit and breakthroughs happen. One of the other ways He sometimes answers our prayer is He sends persecution and challenges. Whoops. Yeah. Some of you have been reading the Word for today, this week, and four of the mornings, uh, four of the days it talked about how Satan is a tool in God's hands. And the enemy will always overstep his mark, but you need to know that the, the Satan is an angel who once was in heaven and worshipped God. He wanted to be like God, got thrown out of heaven, and he's a created being, and our God is the Creator. And the enemy tries to intimidate us, overcome us, overwhelm us, thinking, wow, he's such a strong force that how are we going to make it through? And we look at our nation now, the forces of darkness have been released and the same-sex marriage debate is just one of the issues. The greater issues are freedom of religion and uh, family values and all those things. That's the real battle that's going on right now. And the enemy's out to try and tear down and destroy. But I want to stir your heart today that our God's greater and that He is Lord of all. He's the Lord Almighty, and we need to honor Him and not be afraid. Yes, we need to speak up. We need to pray. We need to declare. We need to share the truth. But I want to say, as people of God, we're going to know that our God is greater. And the enemy becomes a tool in, the enemy, in, in God's hands to stir the people of God up. Sometimes, because we've lived in such a blessed, safe, comfortable uh, country of Christianity. And I've been to India and Vietnam and we go over there and we pray for the people. I've met the pastors that have been in prison for 10 or 20 years for preaching the gospel. And I've seen them, their bodies have sometimes been tortured and and beaten and disfigured and and some of their friends have died for the faith. And I go over there and and they say, pray for us and prophesy over us. I said, no, you guys need to pray over me. You've got a lot more uh, faith and revelation of Christ than I have. They said, no, you need to pray for us. And then I start to pray. And you pray for him. You pray for the persecution to decrease. Said, no, no, don't pray that. He said, that's what's caused the church to be strong. We're actually praying for you in Australia that you get some persecution so that the church can get purified and get strong. And our natural flesh, we don't want that, but that's what they pray for because they know that's what's changed their world. You look at the early church. The early church had almost constant persecution and Shane Willard was here and we spent many hours talking to him over meals and just drawing from his heart. He said, do you realize in the uh, first century that the persecution against the Christians was intense and relentless and the moral standards were way worse than anything we're facing and even heading into? 
You do any study of history, it was way, way worse when the church was birthed and had to stand up and live family values and marriage and raise their kids in that. It was way worse than what we're facing right now, and yet the church flourished. Lots of people came into the kingdom, and he reminded us, hey, don't be afraid of what might come or try to come. Our God's much greater, and it's going to stir us. It's going to challenge the church to arise, to drop off our comfortable, complacent, easygoing thing, and we've got to stand up and declare the truth. We've got to pray. We've got to speak out in Jesus' name. And God stirred my heart to look at what did Jesus teach us? How do you handle persecution? How do you handle opposition? How do you handle the pressure at work? And some of it, I got a text, yes, last night from the yes campaign saying, vote yes. I don't know how they get all our phone numbers. There's a major privacy issue that's happening. We are, there's an onslaught happening in our nation that is much greater than just the same-sex marriage debate. God's by His Spirit, is stirring up our nation and our land. And I believe we've got to realize there's a battle on, but do not be intimidated. Our God's much greater. And we've got to stand for truth. And there'll be a sifting and there'll be a shaking. Because let me tell you, light is always way more powerful than darkness. But the enemy will try and intimidate us. And I believe that God wants to remind us of how powerful, how awesome He is. Angels are created beings with limited power. Our God is the all-powerful one, and He lives within us. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Amplified says, Little children, believers, dear ones, you're of God and you belong to Him and have already overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world of sinful mankind. The New Century Version says, God's Spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who's in the world. And we need to know that the Spirit of God within us, we were worshiping today, I felt the Spirit of God stir my heart. And uh, as Marilyn was talking about the river, I saw this picture in my spirit and how when you're swimming, if the wind is against you, it's hard work if you're out swimming or if you're out paddling a kayak or a canoe, and you've got a strong wind. It is, it is hard work going in the wind. But then I saw something different because we were singing about the river of God. I saw the current of the river that was underneath carrying it was much stronger than the opposition of the wind. And I believe that with God, we might have some winds of opposition and pressure and challenge and uh, conflict in our families, our workplace, our nation. But let me tell you, when you're in the river of God, the current that is way stronger than the winds of opposition. That's what will take you into the place of blessing and victory and overflow. And you need to see the current of the river of God that he's raising up in our land is going to be very, very powerful and very strong. And he will, he will raise up voice and he will demonstrate his grace and power. But you need to be in the river you need to be connected to Almighty God because that current of truth, because truth always overcomes error and deception. Light always overcomes darkness, and love always overcomes fear and hatred. And that's what God's called us to be and to do. And I was thinking about the scripture of what did Jesus do? What did he teach us? One of the thought, in the midst of these rapid changes, there's a whole lot of amazing opportunities as well. 
Look at technology. You can study. You can uh, start up a new business and all of a sudden have the world as your marketplace. You can, what about you can connect with relatives and family and friends all over the world in an instant? There's some amazing opportunities coming with all the rapid changes that are happening. So don't let fear cause us to hold back. Let the life of the Spirit, the gospel can be presented all over the world at once. It's amazing the opportunities that are happening, but there are some headwinds. Jesus spoke to us in Matthew 5.10. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted. Oh, Lord, these are those verses we don't read very often, you know. We love the nice blessed. There's a whole pile of blessing verses. We get to these things. I oh, will skip over them real quick. Blessed, the same word blessed, which is envious, to be envied, abundantly overflowing with all the provision. So Jesus said, you're blessed when you have some opposition and persecution. And it says, because of righteousness. That's not just because you've been dumb and doing silly things. It's for right when you're living for Christ and people oppose that because they don't see the truth. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. None of us like to be insulted. Jesus said it's blessed when it's done for the kingdom of God. When they persecute you or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Wow. We haven't had to use those verses that often in our nation, but let me tell you, they're going to become a lot more known over the next uh, few years because there's a clash of light and darkness that is going to be strong and intense. But the light of Jesus will come and arise. Then it says, rejoice and be glad. So Jesus said, don't be upset when someone harasses you at work or challenges you or disagrees with your standard of life for marriage or family or living out truth, or trusting in a Bible that was written a couple of thousand years ago. People say, well, don't quote me the Bible. I don't believe in the Bible because it's an old ancient book. What are you going to do? We've got to live it out. If, that, if they're not going to listen to that, we've got to live it out and present truth and let His grace and love and demonstrate and have an answer that speaks to people's lives of truth and revelation. And God's going to help us. So it says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, then he goes on and says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt adds flavor. It makes people thirsty. I pray your lifestyle, your attitudes, your, the blessing of God in your life makes people envious, saying, how's it work for you? I've watched your marriage and family go through ups and downs. I've watched you go through setbacks with your health or You'd missed out on a promotion, but you didn't get all twisted up about it, but you still kept serving well with a good attitude. God watches all of those things, and the community watches you because they think, how does that work? You become salt, and you make people thirsty for some greater truths than they've known. That's what God wants us to do. So if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So if they had salt that went off or got contaminated, they'd throw it out on the ground and they'd just walk on it. I pray that we're not walked on in the wrong sense because we've been lost our effectiveness. God's going to teach us how to be salty in the right way to make people curious and saying, hey, what do you really believe? People are going to start to come and ask and, and find out what really goes on in our lives. He goes on and says, 
you are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before them, others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to teach us how to become salt and light in whole lots of refreshing, impacting, powerful ways. Living truth, speaking truth, blessing people, showing the, the favor of God, having answers for people's broken world, because that's what the gospel is. So Jesus in his teaching says, rejoice when you have some opposition, be salt and be light. And there's a whole lot there that some of us need to dig in. And what's that look like in your world, in your workplace, in your household, where there's some of your family aren't committed Christians? I know even in our household, um, with the same-sex marriage debate, one or two of our relatives have come out with attitudes and things that have shocked us. We think, how do we communicate there? And really attacked Mary Lynn and Rachel for their stand. We thought, whoa. So we had to learn to pray. We've got to speak truth in love and, and try and minister to. But out of it, some of their brokenness and pain and the, the stuff from their families all come to the surface. So, so God can turn it for good. And you've got to be praying and looking for God to turn it for good. So I know many of you in your workplaces, and it's like something's been lit in our nation of hatred and fear and division. But let me tell you, God's power of love and grace and truth and life will overcome. And we have to choose to be that and to do that. And God will continue to teach us how to do it. Light is always much more powerful than darkness. John 1, 4 and 5, Jesus, it says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to look at a few more verses in this Sermon on the Mount in uh, John, in Matthew chapter 5. So we just looked at verses 10 to 16. A bit further on, it gets to verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, your fellow man, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this was radical teaching by Jesus, I say to you, love, that is unselfishly, seek the best or higher good for your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Wow! What happened to eye for eye and tooth for tooth that they'd been raised for centuries with? Now Jesus turning that totally around and saying, as believers, this is how you've got to live. So when people become enemies because they confront and disagree with your lifestyle or attitudes, what you live by, your values, it says to pray for them and love them. It goes on and says, so that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on those who are evil and on those who are good. And makes the rain fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright, and the unrighteous. The unrepentant, those who oppose him. God loves everyone. And many, through brokenness, pain, sin, Bad choices or not having an opportunity to understand and see the life of Christ demonstrated to them live in value systems that are not right. But our God is greater. 
So we're not called, it says Jesus in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come to condemn the world but to save the world through him. We've got to be careful in the way we communicate the gospel of life and love and truth that we're not condemning and judging people. The Spirit of God is the one who changes the heart. And that's Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to bring life and truth and transformation. And that's a fine line that some of us have need to learn to walk with greater wisdom and grace. And it goes on and says, in verse 46, for if you love only those who love you, your reward, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do that? You therefore will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, this is teaching that Jesus gave. And it was radical in his day to teach like that. It's still challenging to live that out into our society of cause and effect and sowing and reaping. But hey, we can, we can do this with God's grace and power. His Spirit's within. Remember, the river, the current of the river is stronger than the headwinds. That's what we need to understand. That's what we need to live in, the power of that. Verse 44, the key to understanding this and other statements about love is to know this love, the Greek word agape, is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person, that is, having an unselfish concern for another and a willingness to seek the best for another. So here we have Jesus teaching us. He said, pray for people and love them. Wow, wow, wow. So when they insult you, persecute you, disagree with your ideas of Christian values and, and uh, what we understand of marriage and uh, between a man and a woman and of family values, of forgiveness, of grace, of truth, of all those things. We need to realize that our God has called us to pray for them and to love them. Wow. And sometimes the loving thing to do is to have your heart open and listen to their story and then say, hey, that's what you've experienced, but God's love has a better way because they maybe have never heard that. There's all sorts of ways that God will take and break the word of op God open through your life, through your story, and praying for them so you don't react to their pain or hurt or anger or hatred or reaction to God or religion, but you come with the Spirit and say, look, that is really sad that that's what you've experienced, but the God I know has a different way of touching people's lives. And so you come with love, with truth. You speak the truth in love. You pray blessing on them. Wow, that's a challenge, isn't it? When someone's in your face every, every day you show up to work, they're in your face. And I remember when I was a young guy, I worked in a bank. And uh, that was in the 70s. Hard to believe that I'm that old. But in the 70s. And uh, that was when uh, everyone had uh, Jesus stickers on their cars and... Uh, and they, uh, some people wear, wore uh, crosses around their neck and whatever. And I had a little, just a, a nice little cross that I, I wore. And I remember I was in this bank and one of the guys there, he just, he got so incensed for me wearing that little cross. It was just a little one. It wasn't, I never made an issue. But one day he looked at me and he says, I hate that. And he grabbed it and ripped it off my neck. 
at work. He'd, he'd be charged for bullying now, but back then he got to, And then he pointed his finger and says, in six months you'll be just like us. And I knew that my faith and my life was challenged. I was 18, a newer Christian, and I had to speak right the challenge. So I thought for a few seconds. I looked at him and says, no, I won't be like you because what's inside of me means I don't need to have what you think you need to have to live a, a life. And for six months, he harassed me. He gave, made life difficult for me. Got some of the other people in the bank to hassle me. But after about six months, he reluctantly realized that he couldn't change me. And in the process, a lot of the other people were looking. And then they started coming one by one and say, hey, can you pray for our family? Stuff's going on in my world. I don't know what's, how to sort this out. And I end up leading a whole family to Jesus that were customers. And, and, and so in the middle of it, it was a great challenge, but I had to be wise what I said and pray blessing on him and just love him. And you, you, some of you are facing that and more today. And, and it's family and friends, there's division happening. But let me say we need to pray blessing, love people, speak the truth in love hear the brokenness of their heart and bring healing into their souls. There are so many ways that God will teach us. So he wants us to do that. I want to read just uh, one more passage of Scripture just to wrap it up today. 1 John 4, 7. I just want to talk about this love. But just, just read these verses as we come to the end of the message. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. That's agape love. For love is from God, and everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know Him, for God is love. He's the originator of love, and it's an enduring attribute of His nature. By this, the love of God was displayed in us, in that God has sent His one and only begotten Son, the one who is truly unique, the one only, only one of its kind into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son to the, the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirements for justice against sin and placating His wrath. Beloved, if God so loved us in this incredible way, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another with unselfish concern, God abides in us. And His love, the love that is His essence, abides in us and is completed and perfected in us. As Shane Willard spoke on Thursday night, he said, this is written primarily to believers. So we've got to learn to do it as family and believers, and then it's easier to do it to those outside. If we wrestle with it doing it here, then it's really hard to do it even close to being well to those who are reacting. It goes on and says, By this we know with confident assurance that we abide in Him and He is in us because He has given us His Holy Spirit. We who are with Him in person have seen and testify as eyewitnesses. This is John writing. He's now probably, they think he was 80s or uh, in, in his later years when he was writing these letters. And he was the one, the beloved, that walked close with Jesus. It says, We've seen it with our own eyes, what God has uh, said. And it, the love which God has for us, us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides continually in Him. If this union and fellowship with Him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face Him because as He is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. 
dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. If you're afraid, ask God for courage. But more than that, ask Him to baptize you with love. So you feel so loved by the Father. You feel so embraced by the Spirit of God that when people press your life, guess what's going to come out? Love and grace. And so whenever you're facing fear, fear of the future, there are some parents and grandparents who are scared of what their kids are going to grow up into, and that's very understandable. Some of us young people, we see our friends making wrong choices, and think, whoa, this is heading downhill so fast. And yet God's love can reach their hearts. His grace can help be a mirror and challenge them. There's a better way. There's a different way. There's an alternate way to make our choice and live our families. And our God's a God of grace. He says, well-formed love drives out fear because fear has torment. We've all had fear in our lives. It torments us. It drains us. Parents, don't be afraid of the world your kids are growing up in. If the first century church flourished, flourished and survived, thrived, so can we. We need to pray. We need to speak up. We need to communicate truth. We need to demonstrate it every way we can. Let's not pull back, but let's step up. Let your light shine. It says, don't let your light be hidden under a bowl. Let it shine. So don't be intimidated by the lies in it. Speak the grace and wisdom of God. For my perfect love drives out fear. So Jesus teaches us, have faith, not fear. Love God and people. And continue to pray and worship and release His presence over our city, our community, and our nation. Because let me tell you, God's at work. God is at work. He's raising up prophetic voices who are not even Christians across our nation. He's raising up the Andrew, Andrew Bolts and the Paul Kellys and others that are communicators that are speaking the Christian message and they're not even Christians, but they said, we don't want to lose what we have in our nation. And the world will listen to them. They won't listen to a Christian sometimes because they've pushed us into a box. So God will raise up other prophetic voices. But we need to love and demonstrate personally every way we can. And as we pray, let me tell you, God's at work. God's at work. I don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. I don't know, but I do know that God's still in charge. I know that He's stirring us as believers to step up and be counted. Don't be wishy-washy. Let's live passionately for Jesus. Let's all stand in His presence. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Lord, our hearts are stirred. Greater is He that's within us than He that is in the world. We need to confess that today. Let's say it together. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's say it again with conviction. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Once more, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And let's lift our hands now. Let's thank him for, this, for the grace and the freedom of Christ and our nation. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.